0: Hello, welcome to episode 50, 5-0, halfway to 100, episode 50 of Teeing Off Podcast. I'm your host, RJ McCullough. Unfortunately, the Ryder Cup was not at all what I and most people thought it was going to be. It was very disappointing. It was just, it was basically over by the end of the first day. Um, Not very much excitement. And on top of that, I had my own Ryder Cup, uh, the Golf Journal Association of Canada, they have their own uh, Ryder Cup tournament. It was supposed to be yesterday, Tuesday, October second, but it was canceled because of weather. So, just all around disappointed in the Ryder Cup this year. Um, but we got a new PGA Tour season starting this week. Some fresh blood. It's a new year, new season. I got some new things coming up on the horizon. Um, yep. Yeah, let's just we're gonna have to go over the Ryder Cup, so let's just get that done. Let's start. Now. Take my driver, son, and go become number one. You'll bring home the cup, my boy, cause you are a McElroy. Take my driver, son, and go become number one. You'll bring home the cup, my boy, cause you are a McElroy. Okay, yeah. The Americans got absolutely destroyed. I uh, didn't see that coming. I thought it was going to be, if nothing else, and at least a very close Ryder Cup. <laughs> it didn't really turn out that way. Uh, so let's just go over the sessions here. Day one, Friday. Uh, the place was buzzing. The crowds were wild. Uh, Le Golf National, beautiful course. The way the Europeans had it set up was just perfect for them um, and not so much for the U.S. There was such hype going into it. Uh, Americans, you know, best team in the history of the Ryder Cup on paper, versus a sort of inexperienced European team that was playing on home soil. Um, thrives on home soil, and obviously a very tight knit, close group. Uh, yeah, day one, Friday. Let's just get it started. The U.S. got out to a good start. Their opening opening session, uh, four ball. Uh, they led 3-1 after after the first... They actually won the first three matches. And then Francesco Molinari and Tommy Fleetwood, what obviously would turn out to be a... just a ridiculously good pairing all week. They beat Tiger and Patrick Reed 3-1. Uh, so going into the afternoon matches on Friday, it was 3-1 for the U.S. So it looked like things were off to a good start and there was going to be no problems for the U.S. Uh, one thing I will say just a bit of a bit off but the coverage I mean I wasn't up at 2:30 but uh, I woke up around 5:30 or 6 and I kind of went back and tried to catch some of the early coverage it was really bad uh the not only were there commercials every 2 minutes but they weren't showing any golf they weren't showing the crowd that they didn't have like the the mics in the crowd properly or something cuz it was really quiet it seemed it just you know when you when you've been waiting so long for the Ryder Cup to start, and it's such a great event, and everyone's so into it and is so excited. The first thing you want to do is get people like jazzed. You want to get everyone into it and get that feeling. Uh, you want to you want to see the course. You want to see the fans. You want to see the players. You want to see the nerves on the first tee. You want to get that vibe. And I really feel like they missed out on that. And that's one of the coolest things about the Ryder Cup is getting that that start. And I really feel like they missed out on that. So disappointing on that sense. Uh, Some of the highlights from the opening foursomes, Tony Finau had a crazy shot that went off of... I mean, every hole pretty much was surrounded by water, um, and that water has, like, railroad ties, basically, going around it, same as you see at TPC Sawgrass. And Tony Finau hit one shot that went off one of the railroad ties, which the shot was not a good shot. It was going to be... Obviously, it was short, but it was also left. It goes off the railroad tie, bounces up in the air, and sticks right beside the hole. So that was a nice little break for Tony Finau. And then uh, the... European team uh, Fleetwood and Molinari had a nice, nice celebration when they won their first match. Onto the afternoon foursomes, this is where things just took a nosedive. Um, to use a Brian Burke quote here in Toronto, it was like an 18 wheeler going off a cliff. But that's, that's essentially what the afternoon sessions and onward were. Um, Europe wins the first match three and two, the second match four and two, the third match five and four, the fourth match five and four. They absolutely dominated the rep five to 5-3 after that. Um, yeah, the, just another another whole session of Europe dropping bombs. The U.S. just played absolutely terrible. Alternate shot. Um, this is a format that the Europeans almost always control, but it was it was really, really bad, especially Phil Mixon and Bryson DeChambeau. That pairing was doomed from the start, but neither of them played good at all. It was just ugh, ugh, bad golf. Not exciting. Nothing to watch. So, end of day one, Europe leads USA 5-3. So, you know what? Whatever. Relatively close. Nothing's, not, like, not a big deal, right? Okay. We're going to Saturday. Europe wins the first three matches Saturday morning, two, 2-1, two and 3-2, and 4-3. and three. And then, thankfully, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas were able to win the last one. Um, so, after the day two Saturday four-ball morning session, it was 8-4. Um, some of the highlights from that. Uh, Sergio and Rory McIlroy got off to a great start. Sergio was pumping up the crowd big time. Um, and then in the finale match, Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas. They, uh, Spieth and Thomas, a good good pairing for the Americans going forward, by the way. But uh, <laughs> Spieth's sunk a nice putt on the last hole to, to win the match and did the uh, chest pump thing to Ian Poulter that Ian Poulter does all the time. So that was uh, that was good, but as I said, eight four going into the afternoon sessions. USA pretty much needed a sweep. Instead, they split. Um, Europe on the first, USA on the second, Europe on the third, USA on the fourth. Um, some of the highlights here: Bubba and Webb, Bubba and Webb Simpson, a team that I for one didn't think was going to stand a chance against Sergio Garcia and Alex Norton. They came out on fire. They played really well, especially Webb Simpson. Uh, that was a surprising win, uh, but a good one. Tiger and Bryson paired together in this, and they got trounced by Francesco and Tommy Fleawood. And Jordan Spieth and Justin Thomas, they won yet again as a team. Uh, so, at this point, Europe was really just... They they had one and a half hands around the cup. We're going into Sunday singles. Um, down to 10... The U.S. were down 10-6, which, coincidentally, coincidentally enough, is the same score the U.S. trailed by in 1999 at Brookline. And the same score, of Europe Trail by in 2012 at Medina, both went on to win. So it seemed like, hey, you know what? Maybe there's a chance. This has happened before. There's some precedents here. They needed a massive rally to have a chance to retain the cup. Um, so that being said, Jim Furyk, he loaded his roster at the, off the top you know, with uh, Justin Thomas, Brooks Kepka, Webb Simpson, Tiger Woods, Tony Finau, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth. Those are the first seven matches out, hoping to get at least you know five or six of those. Uh, there was a time when it looked like it was going to have a chance to, to happen, but in the end, not even close. Um, we'll go through each of the matches here. Justin Thomas, uh, Justin Thomas beat Rory McIlroy one up. That was a huge win for the U.S. Sort of a anticlimactic finish with Rory Ma- anticlimactic finish with Rory McIlroy dumping his uh, well his tee shot in eighteen went into a bunker. First, he kind of chunked a shot back further into the bunker so he can have a full swing. Then his third shot he topped went into the water, dropped his fifth shot. So it wasn't closer than Justin Thomas, who had played the hole perfectly and had a birdie putt. So uh, they went into the hole all square. Justin Thomas won that. So USA got the first point of the day. The next match, Kepka and Casey. That match was halved. Then Webb Simpson took down Justin Rose. So the USA had won two of the first, got two and a half of the first three points. Then John Rahm beat Tiger two and one. Tony Finau dusted Tommy Fleetwood six and four. That was probably the most surprising finish of the day. Um, and then it was just all Europe after that. Ian Poulter beat Justin Johnson two up. Thorburn Olison beat Jordan Spieth five and four. Another surprising one there, but Thorburn just he played incredible all day. Sergio beat Ricky Fowler two and one. Um, Francesco Molinari beat Phil Mickelson four and two. This was actually the clincher. Uh, another anticlimactic. Phil just played horrible all week. He dumped his tee shot in the water uh, and just basically handshakes there. Um, that was over the Patrick Reed Hatton match Reed won that one 3 and 2 and then the last two matches Henrik Stenson defeated Bubba Watson 5 and 4 and Alex Noren sunk a long putt on the last hole to defeat Bryson DeChambeau one up uh, some of the celebrations afterward were uh, amazing I'll have a little bit more on that in a minute but I mean you got to give it to the Europeans they played better they wanted it more they deserved the win um, the individual records are I mean it kind of says it all um on the European side, Francesco Molinari, 5-0, 5 points. Tommy Fleetwood, 4-1-0, 4 points. Sergio Garcia, 3-0, 3 points. Henrik Stenson, 3-0. and Ian Poulter had 2 points. Um, every single person on the European team had at least 1 point. For team USA, they only had 1, 2, 3, 4 players that earned 2 points. Justin Thomas led the way as a rookie. He had 4 and 0 4 points. Jordan Spieth behind him at 3-2-0, three, 3 points. They're the light, the... Uh, pretty much the lone bright spots for this US team. Webb Simpson 2 1 and 0. he had 2 points and Tony Finau, he was also 2 1 and 0. after that, Slim Pickens, Brooks Koepka, 1 2 and 1. Bubba Watson 1 2 and 0. Patrick Reed 1 2 and 0. Ricky Fowler 1 3 and 0. Dustin Johnson 1 3 and 0. Bryson DeChambeau 0 2 and 0. Phil Mickelson 0 2 and 0. Tiger Woods 0 4 and 0. Not good. Players, uh, I thought that were good and bad on each side. Um, first, on the U.S. side, Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas. Tiger Woods, I said going into the week, he was he was their most important player. Uh, he was riding a lot, obviously a lot of momentum. It seemed to be coming around to the other guys um, over the last year or so. You know, we thought he had that rapport building, and that that was going to make a difference. But he just he didn't look good. He didn't look good all week. I'll say that. Justin Thomas, on the other hand, though, rookie, came in 4-1-0, and uh, had Spieth on his team. They played great. He had that amazing win uh, to open the Sunday singles. I mean, and he said afterwards it was probably the biggest compliment he's received in his career was Jim Furyk putting him out first um, in Sunday singles, knowing how huge that, uh, that match was going to be and it was against Rory McIlroy, the other team's star, and he went out and won. So, good for him. Surprised by that. No, I wouldn't say surprised, but that was, you know, like a positive thing for the U.S. On the European side, I mean, you can't go wrong, Francesco Mont. Can't go wrong with Francesco Molinari. He went 5-0. and oh. Absolutely unbelievable. Finished caps off a r- crazy year for him that included winning the European BMW PGA Championship, the British Open, in the same group as Tiger, and now going undefeated at the Ryder Cup. Just Just an absolutely amazing way to... To win it, uh, other guys, what do I have to say here: Molinari was fantastic, Fleetwood was great. Uh, some of the crowd chants, I loved it. Tommy, Tommy Fleetwood, that one was good. Uh, Sergio, three and great stuff from him. Henrik Stenson hits the ball on a laser, three uh, and Ian Poulter, I, I have to say, I don't like Ian Poulter. I made that quite clear, and the fact that he plays like he is incredible in Ryder Cups. I don't know what it is. He he doesn't miss putts. He, it's like when he knows, I guess because it's the match play thing, like when you know, there's there's no fear of like the three putt. You know, you, you're putting to make a putt. You're not putting to, you know, make, have to worry about making the next one. You're putting to make the putt. You're putting to, you're playing to win holes, not necessarily to, to not lose them. And uh, obviously that mindset bodes well for Ian Poulter because I mean, he was buzzing out there all week. He was, chirping, he was laughing, he was chanting, he was smacking himself all over. Uh, Hate hate to see it, but good week for Poulter. Justin Rose at 2-2. Slightly disappointing, I guess. Rory McIlroy 2-3. Not his best week, but had some big, big moments. Um, Paul Casey, we saw him in tears after getting his first Ryder Cup point in some 12 years or so. Uh, Alex Norin had a really nice walk-off last point against Bryson DeChambeau. Thorben Olsen, I mentioned he was amazing in his singles match against Spieth. John Rahm took down Tiger Woods. Imagine that. He was pretty emotional afterwards. And Terrell Hatton had a 1-2-0, nothing special, but, um, you know, had his good moments and a great debut for him. Can't, I'm not even going to bother going through the whole US team. The only things I'm going to say, Webb Simpson had a surprisingly good week. He he played really, really well, looked really strong in the week. Tony Finau looked good in his debut as a captain's pick. Uh, Brooks Kepka, for a guy that says he never feels any nerves or anything, um... Yes, you do, because when you're tied in your match, going to 18 in singles, and you're in the ma- middle of the fair with a wedge in your hand, and you pull it well left into the bunker, I think that it might have something to do with some nerves. You also missed a ton of putts that you usually would make, so I don't know, Brooks. Not not the type of playing I was, uh, was expecting out of you, Mr. Cocky. Anyways, Bubba Watson, I thought he was going to go pointless this week, so the fact that he even got one point out of it, whatever, uh, Patch greed. I have more, to have more on him in a few minutes. Screw that guy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, nothing special. The, the Phil, Bryson, and Tiger all going over is just uh, very, very, very. That's a tough bill to swallow. But uh, what are you going to do? Um, yeah, just congratulations to Team Europe. They now won six straight Ryder Cups on home soil, they won nine of the last 12 overall. Uh, 2020's Ryder Cup, that's going to be hosted in the US, obviously. That'll be played at Whistling Straits Golf Course in Wisconsin. Uh, no captains have been selected yet, but it appears as though the Europeans are going to choose between Patrick Harrington, Lee Westwood, Miguel Long and Luke Donald. While the Americans are likely going to choose one of Fred Couples, Steve Stricker, Dave Duvall, Phil Mickelson, or maybe even Tiger Woods. Speaking of Tiger Woods, there's a few things that stood out for me from Tiger Woods, and then I'm going to get into the drama. So, Tiger, two things. Number one, never in my life have I seen a man looking so tired at all times. Tiger Woods, from the moment we saw that picture of the team off the plane, and Tiger looked like he was on another planet, assumed because he just drank a little too much on the plane, didn't have any sleep. Well, all week, Tiger looked dead. He looked dead. He was a dead man. He was not alive. He could barely open his eyes. He was showing no emotion whatsoever, any putts, any shots. He was struggling to finish his backswing sometimes. Apparently, his warm-up sessions were good, so there's no worry of an injury or anything like that. But he was just dead. He's played a lot of golf lately. And uh, he just wasn't there. He wasn't there. He never showed up. Um, unfortunate, after what we've seen from Tiger and all the, the high hopes we had, but uh, that was that was a uh, tough pill to swallow for him. And I mean, the whole team—that obviously brings down the whole team. Okay, another thing about Tiger—he wore those rain pants all week, all week. What was he doing? The whole team is wearing matching everything, and Tiger's wearing rain pants all week. Not a big deal, but like. It's just sort of strange. Maybe he didn't want to wear white pants. Maybe he didn't want to wear um, pinstripes. Maybe that's just not his thing. And I mean, and I'm not going to disagree with that. It's not necessarily a good look, white pants on all these guys. But the whole team's doing a Tiger. Come on. Like, it looks strange and bulky. And it was just like, it played to the whole Tiger thing. It was like he just rolled out of bed and was like, fuck it. I'm not putting on these pants. I don't know. I don't know. It was it was sort of a Tiger that I had never seen was disappointing, and I know in two years when the Ryder Cup comes back, I'm going to be all gung-ho about Tiger Woods, but in the moment, that performance from Tiger and Phil, on top of their previous, what they've already done in their lives in the Ryder Cups, should I say the lack thereof, um, I mean, put a nail in their Ryder Cup coffins, because like, do we even want these guys on the task force? They're They have had no success in the Ryder Cup. They seem to bring down everyone that plays with them. Um, Like, no one can partner with Tiger. They can't win. Everyone plays like crap. Bryson was playing horrible when he was with Tiger. Then he goes out on Sunday and plays great in a singles match. Patrick Reed, the guy wouldn't have broke 100 on his ball he was playing with Tiger. He was hitting in the water. He couldn't hit a green. He couldn't hit a fairway. He couldn't hit anything. He was putting Tiger all over the place. And then he goes out on Sunday and plays great and wins the singles match. Guys just... ah, I hate it because I want nothing more than Tiger to just... I want that shot of Tiger being a leader, being one of the guys everyone like looking up to him as like, wow, you know, we really saw... I wanted the... One of the takeaways from this week to be how great Tiger was in the room and what a difference a warm, comforting, friendly Tiger, especially coming off a win, would have made for that team, and we just never got that. It was just a strange, strange Ryder Cup. It seemed as though we never, we just never got into it. It was over before it even started. Uh, It just, very disappointing, Ryder Cup. Not going to be one that I remember very fondly. Um, Just... Strange. And what makes it worse? Phil Mickelson. What the hell? We see this video come out after... I mean, I saw it probably Monday or Tuesday of in the U.S. team room after... It's, I think, Bubba Watson or someone tweeted it out with, like, uh, the caption. Phil is such a legend. And it's a video of Phil high-kicking... High-kicking a water bottle off of Zach Johnson's head in the team room. And Phil's got these American flag pants on, and everyone's laughing and joking, and do you guys not understand that you just got absolutely embarrassed and blown out, and you were supposed to be these big favorites, the best team on paper of all time? And Phil Mickelson, you played the worst golf... What are you doing? Go practice. Go do something. The fact that you're posting this and, and as if some big joke... And, oh, whoop-dee-doo, you can kick a water bottle off some guy's head. We know. We've seen that commercial. You apparently are quite flexible. We get it. Maybe you should have been working on your short game and your putting and your chipping and your driving. Maybe you're trying to hit a fairway. you got better control of your kicking than you do of your golf swing. Get back to what got you there. I I don't want to see this. I'm not even American, and I was offended by seeing this. If I was an American golf fan that spent thousands of dollars to go over to Paris... And this was the performance that I saw from that team that was supposed to be the best team of all time. And then afterwards they're posting videos of this joking and laughing and Phil Mickelson's a legend and not what I like to see. Not what I like to see. And then things got taken to another level. This is a whole thing on its own. D R A M A. Drama with a capital D. Holy moly, this American team does not know how to lose without stirring it up. So first, a little bit of backstory to the the Spieth-Reed. Prior to this Ryder Cup, Patrick Reed, as much as everyone may hate him, he was considered Captain America. You know, he he basically carried Jordan Spieth to some wins at Hazeltine. Um, He was the big shush guy last time they were in Europe. Um, Always plays well in the Ryder Cups. Then comes here, and shits the bed. He was horrible. He had nothing until the singles match. Now, there were some questions, some controversy. Uh, why did you not? Why, were, why was that team of Jordan and Patrick Reed split up? I mean, the simple answer is that Jordan and Justin Thomas have been best friends forever since they were little kids. And Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth both like each other, both play well together, and they were the best team on the American side. Not how Patrick Reed saw it. Now keep in mind, Patrick Reed played with Tiger. It's not like he was paired with some schlub. He was paired with Tiger. Patrick Reed's also probably the most disliked guy on the American team. We go to the press conference after the Americans lose. Usually this thing's about an hour. We saw some fireworks the last time in 2014 when they lost. Fumex and called out Team Captain Tom Watson. And things really things almost, things got pretty heated. It led to the task force. It was a big um, it was a big deal. This time they're asked about in the press conference. Jordan uh, and Patrick Reed look at each other. Patrick Reed apparently is literally biting his lip, but Jordan Fields the answer, Furyk answers, Patrick doesn't answer. Pat Jordan and Furek said basically, you know, everyone had a decision in the team, everything to do with the team, um, everyone was on the same page, uh, we chose to go with different, different pairings this time, blah, 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 just the way it is. A couple hours later, Patrick Reed speaks to Karen Krauss of the New York Times, and basically, some of the quotes, uh, the issue is obviously with Jordan not wanting to play with me, he told the Times. I don't have any issue with Jordan. When it comes right down to it, I don't care if I don't like the person I'm paired with or if the person likes me, as long as it works and it sets the team up for success. Also, on, on the topic of saying something in, that, uh, in the press conference, when Reed and Spieth were asked about the split up in the interview room, Patrick Reed says, quote, I was looking at him like I was about to light the room up like Phil in 2014. But then Reed said he thought of all the inspirational sayings he had read in the team room. Every day I saw, leave your egos at the door, Reed said. Referring to the Europeans, he added, they do that better than us. Um, so another question asked, Kraus specifically asked Reed if he'd been a part of the pairing's decision. Um, Patrick straight up said no, saying that although he was paired with Tiger, his second choice was Tiger, and Patrick was not Tiger's first choice either. So this was sort of a make- makeshift lineup. We also had Patrick Reed's wife on Twitter coming out with some interesting quotes. Basically just reiterating everything that Patrick was saying, that uh, it was nothing to do with him, and that him and Jordan were a good team, and they should have been paired together, and um, she wouldn't quite admit it was her Twitter account. It was just this whole weird thing where Patrick Reed had to inject himself into the issue, and because they lost... He didn't like the way that it was handled, saying uh, someone as good as me with my record in the Ryder Cup, I don't think it was smart to sit me twice. Patrick, shut up. That wasn't the end of the drama, though. As last night, we got a report that Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson almost got into a fist fight. They got in a big argument uh, at an after-party. Um, the Ryder Cup after-party, they were had to be separated. They were in each other's face. They were almost came to blows. Now, Brooks Kepka has denied this story, but still, usually when these things, usually there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, very interesting. Um, I don't know what the hell happened in this, in this team room. I mean, Brooks Kepka afterwards says, the Dustin thing I just don't get. Uh, there was no fight, no argument. He's one of my best friends. I love the kid to death. We talked on the phone Monday and yesterday, so you tell me how we fought. Two things there. Calling him a kid. He's older than you. Number two, We talked on the phone Monday and yesterday, so you tell me how we fought. Anyone that's ever been in in a relationship can answer that by saying, you can have a a fight on Sunday and then talk on Monday and Tuesday. And I'm talking, of course, not about physical things, because that should never happen in a relationship. No man should ever hit a woman. However, just talking about fights in general. Now, of course, Kepka's going to deny it. It's the type of thing he does. Uh, for a guy that wants a lot of media attention, this could have been a good chance for him to get some. But uh, I digress. What I don't know what happened in that room. I don't know if Jim Furyk lost control of it. I don't know what. But it seems as though number one, there's going to be stories coming out about this for a while. Number two, loose lips sink ships. These guys are just telling way too much stuff out of out of out of class. Whatever that saying is, they should not just be opening up their mouths and letting people know what happened in the room. I understand you lost. But take it like a team. Keep things inside the room. This leaking does not help anyone, which leads me to my next point. Why do they have to have a scapegoat every time they lost, every time they lose? Phil Mickelson in 2014 berated Tom Watson, the whole team, let everyone have it, let everyone made everyone know that the team inside was not happy with how things were going, and that's why they lost. Uh, this time there's there's... Stuff being flown, thrown at the wall from every angle, and I think maybe we should just give some credit to the Europeans here. The Americans came out; they looked tired. They—I don't want to say they looked disinterested, but they just—they never got the ball rolling. They were never really into it. Uh, Having the crowd against you the whole time obviously plays a factor. Um, But jeez, and and I'm not done yet on this on Patrick Reed. Okay, I'm I'm letting him off here too easily. You had the opportunity last Ryder Cup to be paired with the best golfer in the world at the time Jordan Spieth. Yes, you played better than him or times you maybe even carried him. But you were fortunate enough to be paired with him. That raised your profile. You have that great Sunday singles match against Rory McIlroy. That was all you, sure. I raised your profile. But for you to think that you have that you're this legend, that this this player on the team that everyone should gear their pairings towards and that you're the guy that if things aren't right for you then that you have to blow everything up for everyone it, it boggles my mind how anyone doesn't hate Patrick Reed, he's clearly an asshole The one thing he did say that I do actually agree with, I'll give him credit for, is saying I don't care if I like a guy or a guy doesn't like me, if we're a good team we should be paired together that I agree with, fair point you're there to win a tournament, you're not there to be best friends But why you need to call the New York Times after this. And keep in mind, the New York Times. Last week, and still going on right now, but last week we had one of the biggest stories. The New York Times is all over this Kavanaugh thing. And Patrick Reed is calling them to do so they can find out what happened between Patrick Reed and Jordan Spieth in the team room. Like, come on. Are you that self-absorbed? I mean, clearly you are. I mean, anyone that needs to know more about this, look at the pictures of... Him and his wife at the Palace of Versailles, whatever it was called. Just cringy. Look at when he won the Masters, the stuff that happened with him and his wife after. I mean, the whole story of him and his wife, very strange. <coughs> she clearly has a hand in every single thing in his life. Uh, just a very weird. For her to be c- commenting on Jordan Spieth and all these other guys is very strange in itself then Patrick jumps on top of it. I mean, if I were on the American team, uh, I don't even know what I would do. But this, this thing is spiraled out of control. It's just, it's immature, it's childish. Um, I don't know what to make of the DJ and Kepka thing, but, I mean, every day we're hearing something more. Every few hours we're hearing something more. I'm sure by the time this comes out, there'll be even more stuff out there. Um, it's sad. It was a sad week never got anything going, and then afterwards they just have to make it worse. Just give the other team credit. Didn't play well. The Europeans set up the course absolutely phenomenally, beautifully for them. The course itself, beautiful course. Um, But there's certain things, like, okay, I'm going to play this video here. You listen to this and tell me this wouldn't have you running through a wall. (laughs) Those fans are insane. Somehow Justin Thomas went out and won that singles match against Rory. But when you have that crowd that crowd on your side for three days, every shot you hit there behind you, that has to do something to you. And when you're on the other side of that and you can't get any support when you're hitting good shots, that stuff's going to add up. So I don't know why they can't just give more credit to the Europeans. They played phenomenal I uh, gotta give credit also to this the the stuff they were doing. I mean, afterwards they put out a video with Tommy Fleetwood and Francesco Molinari. That great team. How good was that for you? Four out of four. Yeah, I'd give you five out of five, Frankie. I mean. That is incredible. (laughs) Tommy Fleawood and Francesco Molinari laying at a bed beside each other. That's what they did? It was great. I mean, the course setup favored the Europeans, obviously. The camaraderie between the Europeans was undeniable. Uh, Just, the Europeans were the better team. They, They just flat out went out there and they won. So that should really be what the story was, but it's not, unfortunately. That's about all I have to say about the Ryder Cup. Just a disappointing one from beginning to end and continuing to be. Yeah, let's hope that uh, come whistling Straits in two years, they've got this sorted out. This week on the PGA Tour, we have a new season starting up. The 2018-19 season starts with the Safeway Open. The 2018-19 season opener. The PGA Tour's wraparound season begins in California's wine country for the sixth consecutive season year. It is the first of eight slots that are still available for the winners-only Century Tournament of Champions. That'll be the first week of January. All the winners from the previous year qualify for that. Uh, Brendan Steele is looking to become the fourth man in 2018. Well, sorry. He is the fourth man in 2018 to attempt a three-peat. deck. Matsuyama went for it in Phoenix. Daniel Berger went for it in Memphis. And Johnny Vegas went for it here in Canada. They were all unsuccessful. So we'll see what Brendan Steele can do with that. The course, uh, Silverado, there were deadly wildfires in California, as I'm sure you'll remember, last year. Uh, So just hours after the event ended, actually, the resort was taken over by wildfires. There's some crazy pictures that have come out of that. Luckily, most of the resort was spared. Um, Some of the surrounding areas remained blackened from fire damage, but uh, some fascinating pictures and some scary stuff are there. But we got past that. I uh, mentioned last year, Brendan Steele successfully defended his title. He edged out Tony Finau by a stroke. Chesson Hadley and Phil Mickelson tied for third, just two strokes back of Brendan Steele. <coughs> Canadian Graham Dillette was right behind them. Uh, he finished tied fifth. Uh, yeah, past winners, 2017, Brendan Steele won at 18-under. 2016, Brendan Grio won at 15-under. 2015, Sang Moon Bay won at 15-under. He's back from his year off, his um mandatory military in uh, North Korea. He's back from that. South Korea. He's back from that. And in 2014, Jimmy Walker won. So we've had some big-name winners here. The field this week, obviously not going to be the best when you just had the Ryder Cup in the playoffs, so guys are looking for some time off. But Patrick Cannelly and Phil Mickelson gave the lineup two entrants who made it all the way to the Tour Championship at East Lake. Denny McCarthy, he won the Web.com Tour Championship. Him, along with 48 other players who earned their cards through either the Tours, regular season, the web the web.com that is, or the finals of the web.com. Uh, they so there's 49 of those guys in the field. Uh, Chilean teen, Joaquin Neiman. I spoke about him a lot. He in his PGA Tour card via excellence on his sponsors' invites last year. He's also going to tee it up, wasting no time getting his season started. I like him a lot this year. Uh, Fred Couples and John Daly will take advantage of the PGA Tour champions off week. They're going to play on some sponsors' exemptions. Uh, former Oakland Athletics pitcher Mark Mulder, he's also going to tee up on a sponsor's invite. He's trying to become the first modern athlete from another sport to make a PGA Tour cut. We've got eight Canadians in the field. Corey Connors, Adam Hadwin, David Hearn, Mackenzie Hughes, Hunter Sloan, Ben Servilman, Adam Spencer, and Nick Taylor. Um, along with a whole host of other guys, the course is Silverado Resort and Spa. Silverado. The North Course, 7,166 yards. It's a par 72. Uh, It's a pretty straightforward Californian course. It's got beautiful vista views, sparsely lined fairways, strategically placed bunkers. Uh, The pros, they typically, they tear this place up. So expect a lot of birdies. Um, This course was once the estate of a Civil War general. But the property changed in the 1960s when Robert Trent Jones Jr. was commissioned to build two 18-hole courses. Um, They first hosted an event in 1968, blah, 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 blah. Uh, In 2010, Hall of Famer Johnny Miller and two partners acquired the course and quickly oversee, oversaw upgrades to both of the courses. Uh, tournament record is 270 by Brennan Steele, and the course record is 61 from Chesson Hadley. Some other notes. Uh, Brennan Steele is looking to become the first man since 2011 to threepeat a PGA Tour event. Uh, Phil Mickelson, he's seeking only his... Th- sorry, this is the only California title missing from his trophy case. He's, ha- he's tied third for here last year and eighth in his first time. Um, he's won, I think, 11 times in California. This is the only event in California he hasn't won. Uh, the FedEx Cup season has restarted, so the winner here will get 500 points. You can catch it on the Golf Channel, 5.30 to 8.30 p.m., Thursday to Sunday. It will not be shown on PJ Tour Live, um, but that's great. It's just the first event of the year. We're back on the horse. I'm going to do my favorites. I'm going to try and make them every week. A uh, favorite, which is less than twenty-five to one, a mid-tier twenty-five to fifty-one, to dark horse fifty to one hundred to one, and a long shot over a hundred to one. Not much uh, research stuff to go off this week, so <coughs> not expecting the picks to be as good as I would usually. But uh, my favorite got Patrick Cantlay, California guy. I got him at fourteen to one, mid-tier Canadian Adam Hadwin thirty-three to one, dark horse Bronson Bargoon, eighty to one, and my long shot. Johnson Wagner, he is 125-1. to 1. That's about that for the Safeway Open. Not the best event in the world, but what are you going to do? Start of a new season. Always got to be excited to start a new season. If you do want to see some more team golf, though, we've got two interesting events elsewhere uh, in the golf calendar. The Dunhill Links is going on. Uh, Dunhill Links is a really interesting tournament. It's uh, played on the best, like St. Andrews, Carnoustie, great courses. It's it's like a Pro-Am type style Uh <laughs> Some of the pros, Luke Donald, Matthew Fitzpatrick, Martin Keimer, Padraic Harrington, Louis Oosthuizen, Graham McDowell, Brandon Grace, Tommy Fleetwood coming off his heroic Ryder Cup week, Terrell Hatton, Miguel Angel Jimenez, Shane Lowry, Ernie Els, Robert Carlson, Eddie Pepperell, Matt Wallace, Brandon Stone, Brooks Kepka is there as well coming off his fight with DJ, Tony Finau, another guy from the Ryder Cup, and Matt Kuchar. Some of the amateurs that'll be in there: Matthew Good, Hugh Grant, Greg Kinnear, Kyle McLaughlin, uh, Huey Lewis. Don't recognize a lot of these names. Uh, they're all a lot of like English, English celebrities and stuff. So uh, Vladimir Klitschko, the boxer, Uh Pierce Morgan, another guy I hate. But hey, he's teeing it up. So that's kind of an interesting thing. And then the LPGA has the UL International Crown. Sort of a relatively new event. The first one was held in 2014. It is an event where eight national teams of four players each, so 32 players in total, they participate in a match play style event over the course of a few days. It's really, really cool. The the U.S. are involved in that as well. Obviously, the U.S. are the center of the golfing world, unfortunately, but that's the way it is. This event this year is being held at Jack Nicholas Golf Club in South Korea. Uh, Yeah, so two things to look out for There. Uh, what else do we got? I'm going to be starting a few new things this year. Not only new, but getting on more of a regular schedule. On Mondays, I'm going to have some Monday memories, so recapping the tournament that just finished. Tuesdays are going to be Tuesday teas, which will preview the upcoming week's event. Wired Wednesdays, I'll put out the podcasts and some audio clips. Uh, Throwback Thursday, I'm going to go over whatever event is on that week. Kind of a uh, look back at one of the previous iterations of that event. And then we got Folly Fridays. we look at either some funny or guys that like some funny stories that come out of the golf for the first two days or some really bad missed cuts. Kind of some, some of the lighter side of things of golf. So we're gonna have each of those. I'll have a blog for each of those every day uh, going forwards. Uh, today is Wednesday, October 3rd, so that means it's the opening of the NHL schedule. Big, big time Leafs fan, obviously uh, living here in Toronto. Looks like this is gonna be the year to do it by the time you're listening to this. Probably be after their opening game, which is against Montreal tonight. Pumped up for that. Going to go watch it somewhere. Not sure where. Maybe I'll just end up watching it on my couch with my dog. But uh, regardless, best time of the sports calendar is coming up. Unfortunately, <coughs> unfortunately, golf misses out on that. Uh, the wraparound season kind of kills the vibe of the golf. But we got our there's there's basically two amazing times of the sports year. It's this when you got hockey, basketball starting. You got the baseball playoffs. The NFL in full swing. We just had the Ryder Cup and the. Golf playoffs finish. Everything in the sports world is buzzing right now. Um, the other great time in the sports year is April, when you got the Masters, you got the NHL playoffs, the NBA playoffs, um, you know, baseball, kind of just getting into, into the swing of things. Um, so it's a good time to be a sports fan. I just recorded my 50th episode of Team Off Podcast, so hopefully in the next 50, by the time we're 100, this thing will be getting uh, more listeners, and uh, we'll be going full swing. But thanks to those who have stuck with me through the first 50. And uh, hopefully you'll be with me through the next 50 as well. Thanks for joining me. I'm Arjun McCullough. This was, as I said, episode 50 of Teeing Up. And that's all for now. See you next week.